What's up and welcome to the Crude Oil Podcast, a weekly uncensored Edmonton Oilers podcast with your hosts, Sean and Greg. Okay, welcome back to the Crude Oil Podcast. This is lucky number episode 13. Lucky number episode? Makes sense. Yeah, it's the 13th episode, but here we are uh, a couple days just after free agency opened on the 13th. Um, lots of stuff has, has gone down and uh, there's just so much to talk about, hey? Yeah, I think it was more of a shit show than usual. I know that there was like, they broke the record or whatever for most money handed out on the first day of free agency by like almost... 30% more or something like that than prior years. Oh, really? I didn't even see that. Yeah, it was like almost a billion dollars were handed out Wow! across to all the players in their contracts, which I think before it was around $650 million or something was the most in a day. Oh, wow. I, that that could be nice if it was my bank account, but sure. Um, it, it was weird this year, too, because it came on a Wednesday. Normally, I'm used to having like the day off or you know not having to work, but trying to keep up with everything going on. Um, it was kind of nuts this year, but we'll uh, we'll dive into the Oilers signings right off the hop, and then we'll we'll eventually get into kind of what happened around the league and uh, what we're what we're seeing from Edmonton. Um, I know we just before we we met to record this, we put out a uh, a poll on Twitter just to grade Holland. So we'll go over all of the Oilers signings, give our own assessments, and then see where. Uh, uh, the rest of you had decided to uh, to place that. So uh, starting right off the hop, right at the drop of uh, uh, midnight, we got the the tweet from Kane that he's sticking around for another four more seasons at five point one two five million. I'm fucking pumped. I'm super excited. As soon as I saw that contract, I like saw the four years, and I was a little bit concerned. But then I saw the cap hit, and that's exponentially better than anything I could have anticipated. I thought six if he's taking a discount but most likely around the seven number yeah and so i want to go into some of the things because i know there's different thoughts around people saying that it was an overpayment i think most of the oilers fans realize the value of this contract that he gave them um because last that we saw from frank saravalli was the the Kane camp was asking around the league they were looking for 40 to 50 million at a six or seven year term so on the low end you're looking at six million dollars upwards of eight million dollars if you're going to go short uh short term so the fact that i mean he signed for five million with less term like the oilers win-win on that scenario well you have to think that the reason why the cap hit is as low it is as it is is one they signed him for four years which in my personal opinion that feels a little like maybe a year longer than i would have liked in a perfect world maybe three years would have been nice just in case um, his contract doesn't age great, and that's when like Drysaddle's contract is up, I believe. Um, but with that being said, he sometimes likes to uh, overstay his welcome, I guess, as well over mm. those spans by well, what's been shown in Winnipeg and San Jose. But yeah. I think that's the reason why the cap hit is what it is, as they were willing to give him the four years, and nobody in the league, I think, was willing to give him term. Well, and the other thing that I got to wonder about too is from the sounds of it, he's still planning on filing that grievance through the league. So there might be a bit of a top up as well. I, I don't know how that could work. I also know uh, just from listening to a bit of uh, the chatter is there, there's still a, a possible risk where he becomes property of the San Jose Sharks, right? Yeah. So, they might still void this contract 
um, if they deem that his contract is still active with the Sharks, and then Edmonton would need to probably trade some sort of assets. But with that being said as well, I think San Jose would be likely looking to throw that contract out the door. Um, and it makes me think that might be why San Jose traded Burns, is that they are fearful of having to deal with that cap room. Yeah. Um, so maybe they were more interested in getting rid of one of their bigger contracts, and Burns was the only one they were able to really trade. Well, I guess it's going to all play out in the coming weeks. But uh, the other like encouraging thing to, uh, to hear is that was one of the questions they were asking all the players in the exit interviews is like, I, I don't know how the question was posed to all the players, but it sounded like they all wanted him back in the room next year. So yeah, um, I assume it was probably like, what do you think of Kane? And what do you think about him coming back? Yeah. And everybody sounded like they loved him and wanted to see him come back. Yeah. So very exciting news to start the day. I went to sleep happy knowing that uh, at least a big, uh, big piece was off the board. Um, I kind of figured after uh, uh, he announced his signing that that kind of knocked out the Drew sweepstakes. Well, I would think so. Looking at their cap situation, we'll get into their other signings, but looking mm-hmm. at their cap now, I don't think they could afford a player of Giroux's caliber, like at six and a half million or whatever he signed for. Yeah, I didn't um, expect him to get that. And that was crazy. With, with that, like, I'd rather have Kane at this than Giroux at six and a half. Yeah. To be honest with you, like, I would have loved to have Giroux, don't get me wrong, but for around the same amount. But clearly, Ottawa has the space and the willingness to pay him that, and I don't think we did. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, the next thing that was, I didn't even see the the signing. Uh, maybe it's just one of those things that was just so like expected. Uh, but Campbell signs in Edmonton five by five. We got we got our goalie. Well, the reason you probably didn't see it is because it was like thirty seconds after free agency opened. So okay, it opened there at you go. Like ten Mountain, and by ten oh one, the contract was already signed, sealed, and delivered, and it had already been announced. So. I think there was it wasn't really breaking news. So as an insider who's there to break it, you're like, do I really have to break this, or has it already been broken eighty thousand times over the past two days? <laughs> yeah, they just had the graphic up and ready to go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that was uh, that's good. I'm excited to see what Jack Campbell brings to this team. I don't have a lot of expectation other than consistency. Um, I know he can kind of fluctuate but i know he was dealing with like a bunch of injury stuff um but well yeah i was actually i was just listening to 32 thoughts on my drive home today and they were talking about how apparently he was playing with a broken rib at the end of last year yeah which is insane especially for a goalie like i could see a player maybe finding a way to fight through that but like a goalie being able to really fight through any injury considering they're on the ice for 60 minutes is insane yeah i was i was actually shocked when i heard that too it's so I, I'm my hopes are high, but then you got Skinner, um, kind of acting as your your backup right now. We'll get into the the kind of insurance that we've also picked up, but um, so yeah, that uh, that knocked the next piece off the board for the Oilers. And then so now that you've got a big forward, you got your D man. Well, you got your goalie. You need a D man. And uh, the next news to kind of cross everything was uh, Kulak re-signing in Edmonton and. I I was blown away at the term and the money. I think the term feels like... I think all of the terms, really, mm-hmm. they feel a little bit long, but a $2.75 million, it's I like that. It's not like a 4 by 4 for Russell, so you can easily stomach that, and really you can bury that under your third pair, or even as an extra defenseman if you need to. Mm-hmm. I So we I didn't do a good enough job of this when the season was ended. 
was ending, I should say. Uh, but I was really doubting Ken Holland, like, in January. I thought, like, what the fuck are we doing? This team is just going to spiral into the abyss. And they turned things around, and um, it, there was a lot of shitting on Ken Holland on, on my behalf. Uh, but the one thing that I really appreciated and just looking at uh, uh, the way things kind of unfolded with those, well, with Kane and Kulak for sure, as they is the fact that they approached them, they gave them the term, they gave them money, and then Ken opened the door and said, hey, go check the rest of the league, circle back with us. And for the players that he did that to, everyone comes back. Like, I, I think it speaks a lot to what is actually going on in Edmonton. Like, we're starting to build something here. Yeah, I like seeing players willing to sign here and come back here. Like, I feel like a lot of the times we would trade for, like, let's just say at the trade deadline, we trade for a guy and he would just leave. Mm-hmm. And essentially you got nothing for it. But if they re-sign with your team, then it makes you feel a lot better about whatever you had to give up to get them. Not that we had to give up anything for Kane, for example, but um, it's just nice to see that Edmonton feels more like, especially with the Campbell signing, feels like a place players want to go because they feel like they can win. Mm -hmm. And I know there's been comments out there from players. I don't know who, I don't know if that was made public, but there's players who are like, I see Edmonton as like an actual contender now rather than the perpetual mediocre team who can't seem to get over the hump. Yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely refreshing to see everything uh, that shook, shook, Shuck! Wow, what a word! Shook out <laughs> you in just the morning. Talk today. <laughs> I cannot. I'm fumble fucking my words all over. Um, so after that, the uh, the depth signings started to uh, um, fold in. Greg McKaig. I. <laughs> what a name! First off, what a name! <laughs> Everybody loves your namesake, Greg McKaig. Oh my gosh! And what is it? With a leg for an arm and an arm for a leg. <laughs> You'll never hear the end of that. Yeah, that that's gonna be amazing. Uh, signs two years at one point five two AAV. I don't know a lot about this player. Uh, I think that was the signing where everyone started to realize that the Edmonton Maple Leafs are a legit Stanley Cup contender now. But <laughs> that's when the hate started to seem to roll in with everyone thinking that uh, everybody that leaves Toronto comes here. But yeah, I'd like to say also, I think you said 1.5 AAV, but it's a 762 AAV. Oh, that's a total contract. Yeah. So it's two years at 762, but that's more, I'm more than okay with that. We need depth guys, um, guys that you can run through waivers, some veterans you can leave on your uh, bench for um, the 13th or 14th forward. So guys who are younger, like what is it, Borgo or mm. Benson, assuming he can clear waivers and guys like that can actually get playing time and continue to mature their game. Yeah. Well, thanks for that correction. That That's a much easier contract to swallow. <laughs> yeah, were you a little bit concerned for a second about that? I was that? like, it's, it seems a little high for a guy that like I don't know a ton about, but yeah, no, that, that makes a lot more sense. Um, yeah, and then uh, moving on throughout the, the rest of the day there, um, Pickard signs in Edmonton. Kind of that depth insurance signing that they needed, um, seven fifty. Like it, it's a win-win. I think for the Edmonton Oilers, just having that that depth signing and and that insurance goaltender in case like you know one one guy goes down or they just need someone to to step in to give someone else other time to rehab or uh, you know fix some something either in the mental game or the physical game, whatever it may be. Well, I 
think, if I remember correctly, there's been talk about potentially allowing three goalies for like a teams to carry like an extra goalie on the roster without it taking up a roster spot. Yeah, um, at least I think I heard that. But anyways, I would only like I understand the need for the insurance just in case one of Campbell or Skinner get injured so you don't have to call up Rodrigue or Fanti or whoever needs to come up. Mm-hmm. But my only concern with this is assuming Picard is not playing on the Oilers, that means he's likely down in Bakersfield. And is he taking time from Rodrigue or Fanti on Bakersfield? Or yeah. is he also riding the bench there? That's that's a completely valid question. Um, I, I'm hoping he's just going to be kind of the veteran that comes in and uh, provides like supplemental support for the team. But I I really, really don't know there. Um, but yeah, it, it was just nice to see, okay, this is the goaltending uh, tandem that we're running with. And... I kind of figured after they signed Pickard, like there wasn't going to be any further, you know, changes coming to our net mining team. Yeah, I think that's pretty set in stone yeah. at this point. And I would say at least our top six is set in stone. I would say top nine, except there's still the question mark by Pugliarvi. And then there's the the fourth line, which is in a constant state of flux right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of, I guess, bottom nine, fourth line, whichever you want to put it. Uh, we wake up this morning to the news of Matthias Janmark signing in from uh, Vegas. Uh, he comes at a one-year, $1.25 million deal. Uh, I know you love this. Yeah, I'm super excited about this. Like These are the types of players that I was interested in. Like, Janmark was a guy I was interested in on the fourth line. Like A Cogliano-type player was kind of what I was looking for. A veteran guy who can play wing and center. Um, can jump up and down the lineup like Yanmark has experience playing really anywhere in the bottom six, if not even like can play on the second line if needed, which I doubt he would be even the like fourth option if that were the case. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, he's play center. I think he kills penalties. He does everything you need. Um, and at that price tag, it's I would say it feels like a little bit much for a fourth liner. But then you look at his stats. And he had like 25 points, nine goals or something in 67 games last year, mm-hmm. which I think that's a good price tag, especially considering this is like a huge pay cut. It's almost like a 50% pay cut for him across all of his previous contracts, yeah. which from what I was reading from uh, a lot of fans uh, of Vegas and Dallas who Yanmark previously played for, they were surprised that he took a pay cut to go anywhere because they think he's worth his contract that he's been getting paid. Well, I mean... Just thinking about how the asset management is working in Vegas, I would want to get the hell out of there anyways. just you I never, mean, you never know. You could sign this contract and then get traded the next day for no sh- anything that could happen to you when you're there. Who knows? Yeah, no shit. Um, so when I saw the signing this morning, I was a little bit confused. But could this open the door for uh, some more moves for the Edmonton Oilers? Like one guy I immediately think about is Warren Fogle. Well, you have to think. So... Just to summarize, now that all these signings have been done, that leaves us with just under $70,000 of cap room. Yeah. Not including the LTIR, which I'm assuming we will be using 100% of. So that puts us just over $6.4 million. Hmm. Can we sign McLeod, Yamamoto, Pugliarvi, as well as Benson for that much? Or do we need to free up some more cap space, whether that's Fogel moving Pugliarvi or... Barry and flip and signing another guy to fill in for the third line. That's my immediate thought. Um, that was kind of the reason I, I brought it up. Just seeing that 
70,000 obviously is before LTR, like you mentioned, but, uh, so you look at six and a half million dollars on the high end, like, is that going to sign all of those players? Like, I don't know. Uh, I, I had all like the three of them combined coming in around seven. Yeah. And that's assuming they signed McLeod to like a bridge contract. So, yeah, I don't, I see McLeod and I see Yamamoto signing. Um, I think it's going to ultimately come up to the whole desire with Pulley RV. Like, I I don't know if they're going to have the rights to him uh, shipped out or if, you know, they just hold on to him and he doesn't sign a contract. I mean, eventually that gets released out to the league to a certain point, but um, I, I'm sure Holland will, because that's what, December? Yeah, I think so. It's December 15th or something. They have to sign by that date. Yeah. But with that being said, Yamamoto and Pugliarvi are likely both going to uh, apply for arbitration, which mm-hmm. the deadline's tomorrow, so we'll find it very shortly. Right. But the consensus opinion appears to be that will be the case. Um, and I think that's the reason why Edmonton, as well as every other team who is potentially trading for him, is a little afraid. Because they don't really know what Pugliarvi is going to get in arbitration. Yeah. And like he could probably get probably get anywhere from two to four million depending on who the arbitrator is and what contracts they decide to use as a comparison i was i was actually thinking the same thing like i'm nervous with that going to arbitration because i'm thinking three plus for him yeah well it's but i don't know it's the same thing right isn't arbitration limited to like a one or two year contract as well i i I don't know off the top of my head but i thought that was the case so if they award him three million dollars it'll be for one or two years or something like that but apparently, it's very rare mm. for players, even if they file for arbitration, that they make it to arbitration. Because you still have all this time to negotiate a contract. So I would not be surprised if Yamamoto, for example, signed a contract prior to arbitration. Because I think Edmonton wants to keep him. He wants to stay. Um, it's just a matter of the price tag. Because I could see Yamamoto wanting four or something. Because he's like, oh, I scored 20 goals. Mm-hmm. I think I deserve that much. But... Can he do it consistently? Would you sign him to a bridge contract to see if he's a consistent 20-goal guy or what? Because he's had flashes of inconsistency, so I'd be very concerned about that. Yeah, I I, I totally feel you there. Uh, I know with the mediation process, it's a little bit different because there is some like negotiation and contract comparisons. I kind of wish like where hockey would adopt like the, uh, um, the same thing that the MLB has, whereas when you go into arbitration, you have the players' camp submit their number, and you have the team submit their number, and the judge essentially just picks one or the other. There's no in between. There's no nothing. Um, they award it to whoever has the most, you know, um, you know, reasonable case. So well, they just do a poll on Twitter. And see. Yeah, <laughs> it's like he wants this. He wants this. What do you guys think? <laughs> whoever wins gets that contract. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. And I'm with you. Like, you don't know what you're getting from him. Um, who else? You said Yamamoto is going to go to arbitration, right? Yeah, I believe yeah. that's what people are thinking. Um, I think Benson's also arbitration eligible, but there's no point in him going. It's not going to make much of a difference no. in any way. Like he might make or lose an extra fifty to a hundred k, depending on what they decide. So I don't think it's worth the effort or the time. Um, it might be interesting. Like I know this is looking ahead, but I'm just looking at here and. Uh, Stuart Skinner's arbitration eligible next year. Oh, I didn't so even know that. I'm curious to see if that ends up being a concern, but I'm hoping that it's not. 
Because yeah. he could, for example, break out next year, say Campbell gets hurt early on, Skinner has to be our starter. He has a great season. Now he's arbitration eligible, and we have the Jack Campbell 5 mil contract. But yeah. that's clearly somewhere between best and worst case scenario, I guess, because if Skinner's playing great and deserves more money, that's good for us. <laughs> so, Yeah, it's a, it's a really show-yourself kind of season for him, hey? Yeah, I think he'll get a chance to play 20 to 30 games, so I think he could really prove himself to be NHL ready, or he could prove that it might be time to look at moving on from him. Mm-hmm. Like, I know goalies are considered young, essentially, until they're about 27, because <laughs> their prime is from about that age to around 33 or so. And then so, the knees start to go. and <laughs> Yeah, unless your name's Mike Smith, and then it all just goes when you're 40 for some reason, lasts mm-hmm. that long, and then just falls apart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's too funny. Um, so, yeah, I guess it's kind of a, a crapshoot what's going to happen, because, I mean, I would love the Oilers to put you know, another piece on the back end or find a way to move Barry's contract in order to get better pieces in the back end. I just don't know how, how you're going to go about that. What the ask or what the value is for Barry out on the uh, market right now, considering like you look at John Klingberg, who kind of seems like a good comparable uh, player with more value in the league. Yeah. How do I say that? Yeah. Barry is the same type of player as him. Not as good. I would say. Well, it, I think it depends on who doesn't get Klingberg. Yeah, exactly. So, for example, I've heard rumors of him going to Detroit. Um, so if Detroit doesn't get him, for example, are they still looking for an offensive veteran defenseman? Mm-hmm. Then Barry's your guy um, at a very reasonable price tag. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll have to see uh, how things shake out there. Um, yeah. <laughs> now we uh, we'll, we'll take a look at the rest of the league because it was – chaos from from puck drop essentially um hey, before you jump into that yeah um we should quickly cover the twitter poll that you made oh yes yeah yeah, yeah. Holland let's, before let's we move the on from ranking. the Oilers. yeah the let's care about our team first. so first of all let's talk what our opinions are yeah before we look at this and get our own biased opinions okay what grade would you give ken holland <sighs> um i was really happy with everything i'm gonna say a b to be honest with you uh, at the end of the day, when you think of the overall standpoint, and I might get some heat for this take, but the Oilers essentially just secured the, uh, the future of the team they had last year. Like you bring back Kane, you bring back Kulak. Yes. Like you can build on your momentum from year to year. Um, I say B because you've also had an upgrade in goaltending, um, uh, the only reason I wouldn't say A is I still think that there's some moves, and it, it might be an A in a couple weeks. It might be five minutes after this podcast, but um, I I wouldn't say an A because I still think there's some improvements to be made on the uh, um, the back end, and then I'm I'm kind of nervous with how the rest of these uh, um, RFAs you know shake out because I mean it's it's kind of an unknown, but. I guess you can't really base it. Yeah, I'm going to say B before it. Yeah. So this is just this offseason and not his overall tenure or? Uh, just this offseason. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just this offseason. I want to give him, I'm going to say a B minus. I want to say C plus, but that feels harsh. So I'm going to say B minus. Okay. Um, only because I don't like that we're going into the season with the only change really being Broberg for Keith. 
on defense. Oh, I see. Yeah. Like as much as I like that we maintained Kane at a reasonable contract, I also like you mentioned. I dislike that we haven't dealt with any of these RFA's, so there's still a lot of uncertainty there. So we're not necessarily sure if we're going to have to move Vogel, move Barry, move any other contract, whether mm-hmm. it's Puliarvi, because they might get too much money and we need to deal with that. So that uncertainty feels a little sketchy to me. But the big thing is the back end that I don't think you can really go into it like thinking that this is going to be enough to make a difference. But with that being said, now that I'm thought like talking about it and thinking about it, like a healthy nurse, a more experienced Bouchard, and if Broberg is able to step up, that can make a huge difference. But that also is assuming that all those things come to fruition. Mm-hmm. And I'm still a little sketched out about the third pairing right side, just having Barry down there at that amount seems unnecessary when we could have somebody a little bit more defensive, which frees up Bouchard to maybe play more offensive than he needs or has he's been able to. So, yeah, I think yeah. that's, I, I think, think it's, D minus is fair. I think it's a great assessment. I, uh, I, I'm with you too. I think if they move Barry's contract for, maybe a better right-handed shot or enough um, ability to, you know, move his contract out to free up some space to sign someone. Uh, I know that the the pool's getting a little thin with the uh, availability, but... Um, yeah, I've been scrolling through the free agents, and there's none that really overly interest me on the right side at this point. Yeah. So, like, that's my big issue, is that there's no real replacement. I could see maybe if we do make a trade, for example that it's more of a one-for-one swap where a team needs a more offensive player and we want a more defensive player. And it's just kind of like, we'll help each other out and switch that up. And honestly, I think think that's what we need. Like, you look at Bouchard, who stepped it up, and I I hope he's the permanent replacement for Barry on that power play. Well, going forward, that's the idea, I think. I hope. Like, I think... It needs. We need to be looking kind of at the future too. Yeah. And the fact that Bouchard has a couple, no, one more year left on his contract until we're going to have to sign him. So I'd rather be thinking about this. Maybe they're wanting to keep Barry for one more year, keep Bouchard off that uh, power play so he doesn't inflate his stats and then want $5 million or something like that. It's all the long con. <laughs> yeah, I, I think... Uh... Ken Holland has a bunch of those tricks up his sleeve when it comes to, you know, maneuvering around certain things. So, uh, yeah, maybe maybe that's the case. Um, but, yeah, so just taking a look at our Twitter poll, we got 23 votes in for, like, the hour it's been up, which is great. Um, yeah, we love all the participation we can get, so thank you to everybody who voted. Definitely, definitely. So the consensus at 78.3% says A, um, giving... A lot of credit to to bringing back Kane, I would assume, and then the fact that uh, you get Kulak in at that deal, like we mentioned. Like it, they're not exactly comparable defensemen, but seeing him sign in uh, um, Edmonton for that value, and then kind of comparing with what Zadorov signed in Calgary was just like holy shit! Like they went three plus on that. Well, you can say the same about the. Uh... I think it was Detroit signing Ben Chariot. And we've yeah. talked about the comparison between Kulak and Chariot already. And he signed for 4.75. Yeah. Like, I think this is going to be a value contract in a couple of years. And, I mean, who knows? Um, 13% uh, said B. I mean, that's kind of where you and I were. but And then there's the 87 
remaining in C. And I, I mean, they're probably along the same boat with you. Like there's still a lot of moves yet to be made in order to, you know, make an improvement from last year. I, I realize there's going to be a progression step moving forward, yeah. uh, just in terms of players developing and, and uh, stuff like that. But yes, it, we're definitely in the win now mentality, which is such a crazy, you know, shift of, uh, of mentality as an Oilers fan anyway. You know, I'm comfortable with bumping my B- minus up after these RFA signings are done and they are reasonable because mm. that's really probably my biggest concern. Um, and then I can't knock it up into an A unless I see some moves on the back end because I don't think it's going... That's just enough. That's the only thing. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, we'll jump into the rest of the league here. Uh, probably right before the, the Kane signing, the thing that shocked me because i was getting excited to see evgeny malkin on a different team (laughs) and i don't know if he just wanted to put a little scare uh into like the fan base or uh as people were joking that uh crosby showed up uh to the owner's house with a gun like bring malkin back but uh yeah it's i i have a soft spot in my heart for long-term players who get to you know finish out their careers where they started um you look at like a Steve Eiserman type player, um, not comparing him to Malkin, but just the fact that they get to, they have such a legacy that they've built there. It's nice to see him four years at 6.10 million, which I mean, for 35 year old though, he's still point per game. Yeah, that's true. So you gotta, you gotta keep that in mind. So I think that's a good deal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't think, I think if I was Pittsburgh, if I was the GM, I lack loyalty, so I probably would have traded Malkin, for example, and tried to get assets for him. Yeah. If if I'm them, I'm happy with resigning him because I don't want to lose a guy for nothing. It's the same with Latang. It's the same whenever Crosby's going to be a free agent. You don't want to lose them for nothing. Like I get trading them to chase a cup or whatever, but yeah, losing them for nothing is a dangerous game. Yeah, yeah, I I agree there. Uh, probably what I was going to say was the biggest shock. Um, but isn't anymore. We'll get to that. Uh, was Claude Giroux signing in Ottawa? I mean, it makes sense he's going home, but I just never put two and two together that that was a viable option for him. I did hear a lot of rumors that, that Ottawa was up there for the teams that he was interested in, but with a name like Claude Giroux, I had to think Montreal was higher <laughs> on his list. But I think that makes Ottawa's top six quite disgusting. Pretty With good, eh? Some combination of Debrinkat, Stutzla, Giroux, followed by Norris, Batherson, yeah. and Kachuk. Like, mm-hmm. that's a top six that I like. Is it crazy to say that that would be like a top 10, if not higher, top six in the league? I, yeah, I, I would say it's up there for sure. It's, it's amazing how Ottawa went from nowhere to the best top six in, you know, the, the, well, I was, I should say in Eastern Canada. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Well, it's I, nice to have players come in and like do well, like not necessarily no-name players, but players that you don't expect to do as well as they have been. Like mm-hmm. Batherson, there was a lot of excitement around him, but I didn't expect him to be like a forty-goal guy. And same with Josh Norris; he's got a wicked shot. And there's when they traded Carlson to San Jose and Norris came back, I guarantee they did not think he was going to be like they just just resigned him to eight by or eight years by seven point eight million. Yeah. No way I would have guessed that the contract would have been signed like three years down the road. Yeah, I thought he was just a throw-in on that trade. Do you want to get into that contract because that one's a little like, wow. 
I think I, it's a big contract, but yeah. he's a good player. You you can't argue with it, and that's no. just kind of the market rate for a top six center nowadays. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I just I don't know if it's a a long enough tenure, a long enough like. You don't think he's proved it yet? For making dry sidle money? I, well, I guess that's that's a terrible comparison, knowing that his value is way way up there. But dry not even making what yeah. dry sidle money should yeah. be. So yeah, that's no. it. But like you can, it's always risky with these contracts because you look at like I like to look at Arizona and Clayton Keller. They signed him to like an eight-year, seven million dollar contract after one good season, and he's been pretty mid since then. Mm-hmm. And uh, how about Nashville with Ryan Johansson? Everybody th- forgets that he's even there, but he signed an eight, like an eight-year, eight million dollar deal. He's put up like fifty points once since signing that deal. So it's always risky for these younger players. You sign them to these massive contracts when they've had one good season. Well, and I look the good comparison that I have is just taking a look at what he signed for, and then. Um, Sorry, I'm just scrolling down to find it. I had it knocked off. Robert Thomas. Basically, yeah. Like, it's almost the same contract, uh, but Thomas is over a point-per-game player. I I realize there's a little bit different facets of their game, but... Well, how old is Robert Thomas? 23. Okay, so they're they're the same age, but... Yeah. Yeah, Robert Thomas has been... I feel like he's been in the league for at least a year and has a bunch of playoff experience since then, but... You got to remember too that for every one of these contracts that's bad, there's also good ones. Like mm. for example, you mentioned Drysaddle. When he signed that contract, people were looking at Shirelli and they're like, "What the fuck? He yeah. didn't deserve that money. Like he should be on like McKinnon's contract, like six and a half for what he had done yeah. so far." Yeah. Um. But it turned out to be a great gamble. But realistically, we should have signed. Like imagine if we had Drysaddle for six and a half for three more years versus eight and a half. So. I don't yeah. know. I think you got to remember that they're just gambling on the fact that they think this player is important to their team and he's going to continue to improve. And in this case, I think the same. Well, and so that kind of shifts my uh, my thoughts to the next guy. Just you know, you don't know what you're going to get out of the value of the contract. And I know I was high on Vinny Trocheck, but signing in New York for like over five and a half mil for seven years, like. Well, I'm happy we uh, didn't sign him. I'll yeah, tell you no that much. shit. Like, I did not see that panning out to be, you know, what it was. Um, there was a lot of weird kind of questionable contracts out there, yeah. to be honest. There was, like, Columbus side Gabranson for four years, $4 million. Yeah. Like, I saw him play in that series against Edmonton. He's not a $4 million defenseman. So, well, I'll get back to that because I don't want to spoil our, uh, our dinner here. But... Uh, <laughs> Just I, I think the biggest overpayment that we saw the entire uh, day was Sergachev in Tampa. You don't like, think Sergachev, Sergachev is eight and a half? I don't think so. For eight years, I don't know. That just seems like a lot of money. Can I say that about all of those contracts? So just for anybody who isn't aware, um, Tampa, in the span of about five minutes, signed three, like I would say, mid-level players on their roster like not their all-star guys because they're all locked up. So they signed three mid-level guys to eight-year contracts. So they signed Cernak to eight years by 5.2 AAV, uh, Sorelli at eight years at 6.2 AAV, and Sergachev at eight years for eight and a half AAV. Yeah. The only thing I don't like about the Sergachev contract is that he's been playing third minute or third line. Yeah. Or third pairing, sorry. With McDonough being traded now, they could bump him up, but they immediately just use that money to sign Sergachev to a longer contract uh, for more money. So 
I guess they see a lot of potential in him, and it's a similar gamble. But like I, I don't think he's making like five or half a mil less than Makar money. Like he's not that type of player. So are they just locking in their future? Like this is the core of the team moving forward. Oh, pretty know, much. Like, after Stamkos leaves and everything. I, yeah, I'm gonna look them up on calf friendly like right now because it's got to be hilarious to look at the length of contracts they have mm-hmm. but they're going to end up similar to uh, san jose where they have all of these guys just locked up to monster long contracts and yeah. it's a little awkward to look at to be honest because you're like okay but what happens if this doesn't work out well i wonder too like tampa is building a dynasty let's be real um with their results they've had so far They've got something special going, and you got to wonder if these players got management by the balls and are like, hey, get this or we leave, and you lose all of the, you know, notoriety that you're building towards. Um, I I can see Tampa, like, competing for another two years, like, for the Cup. Oh, yeah, I would think so, too, but they're going to run into cap problems kind of shortly, to be honest with you. I don't really see how they're going to be able to get around these issues when like i'm just looking here they have five six players making anywhere from well really they have like six players making more than eight and a half million mm-hmm. and sergachev's getting paid more than headman so yeah what does that mean for headman when he's up in three years how much money is he gonna get paid so i don't know what the fuck tampa's gonna do <laughs> the the cap is a myth for them because they're currently seven million over the cap so, yeah who knows Who's going to get injured this year? Yeah, who's, uh, <laughs> riding, the, who's riding the bench for the season? And oh, riding the press box. No shit. Darcy Kemper signs for five years in Washington. Hella glad that we didn't take on that five and a quarter for him. I prefer um, Campbell at his price tag to Kemper at that price tag, just because of injury concerns. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've gone over Sherratt to uh, Detroit, 4.75. I think, yeah, it makes the Kulak deal so much better. Um Later in the day, we saw Burakovsky move to Seattle. That was kind of interesting. I think Seattle's starting to build towards something. They could I, be spooky in a few years once, yeah. like, Maddie Beneers and Shane Wright come in and are able to make an impact. But mm-hmm. I think they're still a few years away. I think they'll be bottom feeders next year. And you got to wonder how, how well Burakovsky's stats were you know, inflated from last year. I don't know. He's also the streakiest guy in the world, to be <laughs> honest with you. You'll put up 10 goals in the span of 10 games and not score for 20. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I saw Justin Schultz also signed there, so um, that... <laughs> Interesting. Interesting, yeah. I didn't, honestly, I didn't see him getting three mil, but uh, that's the market. Um, okay, let's get to the biggest news of the day because I can't wait any longer. Um, Calgary fans, man... <laughs> Listen, I'm. I understand why Calgary fans are upset. Yep, I would be upset too. Mm-hmm. And I want to preface all of this to all Oilers fans before, like, you're more than welcome to go and trash Calgary fans for, and Calgary as a team for any of this. But we need to tread carefully because we have two huge contracts coming up in a few years, and last thing we want to have is the same situation happen to us. That is why I didn't say a goddamn thing about it. Yeah, I. Uh, we're going to be in the same boat in a couple of years. I'm trying um, to be empathetic and hoping that good karma saves us. Okay, so I have to ask you, well, the news is everyone knows, Goudreau to Columbus. 
Um, 9.75 million apparently left somewhere from 15 to 17 million um, off the table to go to Columbus rather than stay in Calgary. Um, first off, the location shocked the shit out of me. I think it shocked everybody because it wasn't even in the news, I think, remotely. Nobody yeah. had even talked about it. It, Yeah, crazy. But um, the the other news that I, I did hear is with uh, Good Branson is that was part of the deal that um, Johnny had made with with uh, the GM Yar- Yarl, right? Fuck, uh, I can never Yarmo. pronounce his name. Yarmo, Yarmo Kekalainen. Kekalainen, there we go. Um, is that... W- they came to a relative agreement, and he said, "Can I bring along uh, Goody with him?" So uh, does he have to sign him to four years at four million? Though that's like, what I'm wondering. Like, <laughs> was that contingent on him signing there? Like, yeah, he's like, I won't sign unless it's for four mil for four years. And <laughs> yeah. they're like, well, we want Gaudreau, so fuck it, fuck. I guess so. <laughs> so I I don't know. The other thing that I saw is Eric Francis. Like, I think we've got a lot of fucking shitty reporters, but Eric Francis takes the cake in Calgary. Um, Eric Francis is like a weird Spectre-Matheson hybrid there where it's like (laughs) the worst of both worlds. He's like the level boss that, you know, just morphs into everything bad that you've played through. I The comments he made about how... I, I get it. Johnny Gaudreau left and he's in an awkward situation and then um when he was in that that uh, press conference being introduced and francis popped from the clouds from the top ropes and you saw like gaudreau straighten up and like take the gulp and like i think the comments that francis made um about him you know doing a disservice to calgary and leaving it i'm gonna straight up say it johnny gaudreau doesn't owe you shit does not owe you a fucking thing it's the same thing if Connor McDavid leaves. It's the same thing if Drysaddle leaves. They do not owe you a fucking thing. They're out there. They're performing. They're giving you everything. And yeah, granted, you're paying them money to be here, but they have to live in a mad hockey community where people are constantly criticizing play, um, and they reap the benefits of uh, success when they're here. They don't owe you a fucking thing. Well, one thing to keep in mind too is. Family, I think, for a lot of these players has become a lot more important with, like, and I can say this from personal experience, with the impact, like, COVID and stuff has had on the world, Mm -hmm. even though it's gone, but it made you kind (laughs) of reprioritize things, right? Yep. So, like, for example, I moved back to Edmonton from where I was living um, for similar type of reasons, and I think Goudreau had every intention of staying in Calgary until the season ended and he went back home, Mm -hmm. and he realized what he was missing and he wants to be able to be closer to that. He doesn't have to live in like his hometown, but now he's closer. He's just a hop, skip, and a jump away from home yep. to go see his parents. And I think his uh, his like wife is pregnant or something like that. So like they're about to have a baby. Maybe they want a support system to be closer to family. I don't know. It's all personal, and you have to think that that played into it. Yeah, I I completely agree. Like. The last three years or whatever we've gone through this experience feels like fucking three years already. But it it takes a toll on a lot of these players. And I mean, look at Miko Koskinen talking before about how like how lonely and how shitty he felt last year with no fans in the stands, not being able to see family. Like it fucking sucks for these guys. So um, Gaudreau, he played his ass off in Calgary, and he was a, 
certain threat for many many years and he signed his uh his bridge accept or uh, uh extension and he he earned his fucking bread like go take it man so yeah hats off to uh columbus as well for managing to attract a like a top tier free agent no shit after all the shit that they've gotten over the years about everybody hating there and wanting to leave um i just hope they're able to re-sign line a because i'd like to see goudreau and line a together that'd be that could be quite fun, eh? the line combo yeah that could be fun uh just a few other signings um ryan strom wound up in anaheim that was another head scratcher um that's a money move yeah yeah i guess five mil Five by five for Ryan Strom. I'm. I was nervous that he. Uh, I know that we are. We are looking towards Dylan more than Ryan Strom, and there's the possibility of having all three brothers playing on one team. But, um, I. We've been down there, and we've we've done that before. I'm just kind of nervous. Um, well, Ryan Strom would have been third line at best on this team. Yeah, and I think he was looking for top six opportunity, and he. Well, is he going to get that in Anaheim? With Zegris and Mason McTavish in front of him? Yeah, I have no idea. I don't know about that. Maybe he slots in where Sonny Milano left. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> but, um, yeah, those those are the big major signings that happened. Um, still waiting on a few shoes to drop with uh, um, Klingberg. I know that uh, there's still the, the Kadri news to, to come out where he's going to wind up. I'd love to see where he goes. Yeah, uh, something tells me he winds up back in Colorado. A lot of rumors that he might go to Calgary. But, yeah, I think Calgary, if they sign Kadri, they're going to overpay for him, and it's going to be just, like, putting a Band-Aid on a fucking bullet hole. Like, I don't know. Calgary should blow things up. Like, trade Kachuk, start over. If I'm being honest, if they don't get Kadri, I feel like they should definitely blow things up because as much as I think Kachuk's a good player, as much as I hate him, Lindholm's a good player. Mangipani is a good player. Backlund's a good player. Are they championship caliber players? Mm-hmm. Like I think their decor is okay. They have a good goalie in Markstrom, but did they don't really have any prospects in the system coming up? And like I apologize for if to any Calgary fans if I'm being ignorant and don't know about your prospects, but off the top of my head, I can't think of a single like a great prospect that's coming up. Like anybody even on the same tier as like a Holloway or Borgo which aren't necessarily even A-tier prospects, but is there anybody even on that tier for them? Yeah, I don't know enough about that to, to really speak to whether they're they're good or bad. I haven't heard a ton, uh, which is usually a telling sign, but uh, I don't know. Uh, the other thing I just wanted to bring up too was, did you see the... I, I have to go back and verify, but <laughs> I saw that there was some comments that the, uh, the Shane Wright interviews... Did not go well. Poor attitude was listed as a uh, deciding factor for a Shades lot of these Shades of Neil Yakupov. Oh my goodness. It's like Brian Burke I absolutely saw... hated Yakupov, and I think a lot of teams <laughs> may have felt the same way about uh, Shane Wright. I saw Yakupov uh, um, on Instagram. Apparently the KHL team he's playing on won the, the championship. He's just out there living his best life. It's really nerve nervous for him. Like, I mean, he's in Russia. Is he really living his best life? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Instagram makes it look good, but who knows? Who knows? Um, yeah, so just waiting on on a couple things with uh, the RFAs, how we shake up. Is there an impending trade coming with either a Fogel or a Barry? Um, 
other than that, yeah, I I don't know. We'll see what it is. Um, I did. Did you watch any of the uh, development camp stuff? Not really. Yeah. I've never been overly interested in, in that stuff just because they're all just playing against each other. It's not really proving anything. Oh, yeah. I think the um, final score was something stupid, like 8-5. Yeah, well, they're not really playing to the level that they can and probably will when they make any team that's not a development camp. But um, plus there's not, I think outside of Borgo, there wasn't really a, any huge names there. So, yeah, I watched the uh, I watched the second half of it just to see what was going on. Rodrigue was scarily bad, but to your point, um, it, it's not your uh, your top skill. It was fun to see um, Savoy and Tulio playing. Like these these guys are coming up. Like we got real prospects coming up. Who there is another guy that uh, really impressed me, but Schaefer played well. Um, He's he's got some soft hands for being such a big boy. Like that's what we need on this team is some size <laughs> with good hands. Yeah, no kidding. As long as he can still skate, I'm happy. <laughs> Maybe it uh it'll be the same kind of assessment as they had with Drysidle. <laughs> it's that's possible. Who knows? But uh with that being said, the big news has dropped. Uh we're going to take a little bit of a hiatus. As uh, the the summer months, there's not going to be a lot to talk about. I would expect our next episode to probably be early September. Yeah. Unless there's something big that happens, whether it's they sign all the RFAs and make a couple trades. Maybe we'll drop an episode, but I can't guarantee anything because it's a busy summer for everyone. Got to make up for all those COVID summers we missed out on. No kidding. No kidding. Everyone go enjoy their their life get together with people um yeah so with that being said this is episode 13 we really like really truly from the bottom of our hearts like thank you for everybody for subscribing and listening and sharing our podcast with everything um we've had a lot of great messages sent to our inboxes and uh it's pretty overwhelming just to hear um how how uh, appreciative everyone is of having just a new voice out there for an Oilers podcast, and um, we're we're thankful that you know there's someone actually listening to these these two idiots in a room just talk about Oilers. So uh, we got a lot of exciting stuff coming uh, for next year. Um, obviously, going to try and uh, look at you know improving some things, maybe doing uh, some new innovative things. But um, yeah, with that being said, uh, just want to say sincerely thank you. <laughs>